Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Dog Days. Just before we get started, I'm just going to flag that there is strong language used throughout in this episode and there's also references to suicide. So in the description of this upload, I'm going to link to Calm Services for any of those that are struggling with their mental health for you to go and get support. Um, in this episode, we speak to Junior Eldstar, a former podcast host, the Dog Days founding member, about his recent battles with his mental health. Let's get straight into it. It's a great episode, and if it helps anyone out there struggling, then it's been it's been worth it. Thanks, guys. This is the Dog Days with Ollie Scott, Junior Eldstar, and Ian McKenzie. One epidemic, 35 podcasts, and three months of silence. 35 sober podcasts. Thank you very much. Hello, and welcome to the Dog Days. Welcome back. This is really weird. This is fucking strange. Let me just introduce who is in the room. No, there is no guest. No, 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 no. We have someone much greater than a guest. We have our original co-host, Junior Eldstyle, or Pooch. Here he is, Pooch. How are you doing, brother? Good, brother. And uh, in case you're a guest. Kenny Chips here. Kenny, Kenny Chips, Chips is in the building. Where did you get the name Kenny Chips from, bruv? Uh, just in Verdansk, boy. <laughs> when I was young, guys, I used to eat lots of chips, in it. Like. <laughs> I've forgotten all our inside jokes. Do we have any left? We haven't got any left. We haven't seen each other for four months. Oh, um, <laughs> and let me... I'm going to set the scene a little bit as to why we're in this room. Firstly, we're in a room, not in a Zoom. I'm not going to do a poet yet, but... Broom. We're back with uh, Dr. Maz. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, I, this feels so different to, you know, obviously giving background to what's happened. We decided to part as a trio uh, about four months ago. Pooch will come into why that happened and we'll speak about what was going on. But essentially, you had a moment in your life where you decided that you needed to focus on other things. Um, and Ian and I wanted to focus on our podcast being the dog days and seeing if we could take it into a different direction um <laughs> we've certainly done that it's uh, yeah. there's tumbleweed everywhere yeah <laughs> that direction was uh nowhere actually and and we needed your energy no i think if, if i'm really honest and it's important to be clear on that I, I think i fell out of love with um a the zoom call i couldn't do it on zoom mm. ian and i both really struggled to gauge like we're in this room right now it's so different. Like, yeah, it's different. It's quiet. I can hear you in my ears. The, the voice is so crisp. Everything, it just feels more intimate. And what with coronavirus happening and everything being thrown up, we, I think we lost our way a little bit as a podcast and thought, right, let's park this for the moment. With mm. the, uh, the Zoom, it was mainly with guests, to be <clears> honest. It's, um, our communication was fine with the microphone, but then when you're trying to get some guests... Um, you know, to put the headphones in, to do this, to do that. And then the audio just sounds terrible. The connection sounds terrible. It's just like you lose any sort of moment that you have. Yeah, that was the end of the through? Was it just recorded through Zoom? And that's how you got the audio? Yeah, you got uh, the memos and shit. So, I, went, I mean, I went bored. Yeah, just so, well, it's important to know because we might have one listener who, who comes back and listens. But yeah, it was like basically um, it wouldn't be recorded through Zoom. You'd have to record it through like each person's individual laptop, which remotely was fine for us too because we had nice microphones. But recording on other people's microphones was quite problematic. So yeah. Sam did his magic. He'd he done bits, obviously, because that's what he does. Big up, Sam. Big but up, Sam. I, I have a question, the first question of the day. Yeah. 
I would never have guessed Maz would be opening that door. To <laughs> no, <laughs> I, didn't I actually didn't think it was going to. I open never thought a million years he was going to. I door. think he's come back specially. What for this? Like one hundred percent. His eyes lit up when we walked in. He's going to hear this. Because well. I messaged that number the other day. I was like, "Hey, Maz," and she was, "Oh, it's Marie." I was like, "Oh." Uh-huh. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Marie, which would have still been lovely. But but Maz, that was another. It's brilliant. If I, what, brilliant. What, this is kind of nostalgic for me we've had a few nostalgic moments in this studio because we had a bit of time and we didn't record it here we went to London Bridge we, I won't even mention the other place and and I think when just coming and sitting back in this room this is why we started this podcast originally and if I if I revisit and take anyone that's listening back to that time the dog days was originally started because all three of us were in a moment of change in our life and I think in our lives and I think all of us felt like we needed to learn about the world more and actually learn about ourselves. We called it the dog days because of the days of struggle that you go through in anything, whether it's getting a new job, starting a new career, starting a business, starting a new relationship. And then we spent the next year together going on a quest and meeting brilliant people and specialists in their fields. We met relationship coaches. We met the man that is the legend, Josh Connolly, who's been back more than four times and almost in itself is a dog days host. Mm. We learned like so, so much in those things. And I, I definitely felt like I could take a lot away. And and I guess the reason we're back here today is because, Pooch, you have possibly had, I think in your own words, the hardest six months of your life. Mm. And if we reflect even further um you probably were starting that journey of the of the tough part of your life when we started this podcast yeah one million percent and something really resonated with me which is why we're doing this podcast today when you reached out after a big moment in your life which I'll, i'll let you speak about in more detail and you said something that hit me quite hard which was you know all those podcasts that we did and you know i was i was saying i wanted to be like vulnerable and and authentic and you know mental health and shit I don't think I was listening and I don't think I was being myself. And actually, in the last three months, I've learned who I actually am. Mm. Um, what is, is, what's mad for that, I think, if you are a listener to this, is to go back to those episodes, listen to Pooch. There was an element of, and this is just what I'm thinking and how I felt, a bit of projecting of the character that you wanted to be and you were still so caught up in... Mm who you wanted to be rather than who you actually were at that time. Mm. So without stealing your microphone, we're here really today to understand what happened, who you were and, and what you've learned in, in the last six months. In, in your own words, why are we doing this podcast today? Well, that's a very hard question, Mr. Oliver Scott. Um, no, I think we're here today because I've sort of had an awakening. I told you I didn't want to come in here to be preacher because that's not what I want to do today. It's more so to deep dive into um, my feelings and recognizing and being aware of your emotions, which I never was. And I was living a lot of my life, <clears throat> especially the, from the day I landed back in England with fear. And I didn't recognize any of that. And I was using all these other substances, i.e., I don't know, going out and my Instagram, etc., to cover fear. And I felt it was, it, was, it was the right time with what's happened to my life in the last sort of, especially three, three months, three to four months and coming out of it the other side. And I'm not saying I'm coming out of mm. it posit- like, you know, Mr. Happy and Mr. Fucking Go Lucky, but I'm now me, if that makes sense. And I'm now real and it does feel good, but obviously there is obviously 
more ups and downs that, still. So it, you, one thing I just want to just quickly go to, because some people don't know you as well as we know mm. you, people might not have even had you on Instagram or whatever. That person that you describe, how does it, how does it manifest? What, what behaviours do you think you were... It was hard. So I moved back, and not a lot of people will know this, because I was away from the country for seven years, um, and I hadn't built a secure home for myself in England where my friends are and my family are. The love of my life was in England. Um, and one of the main reasons I moved home was to get back with her. And, you know, from living a life for seven, eight years alone without, you know, anyone really there for you and you're in your own sort of mind, in your own projections and all you're living by is a projection of other people. By that I mean, especially in football, you're always competing and trying to be good for someone else. Because if you're not good enough, then you won't play. Or if you're not good enough, you you know you get booed by the fans, and you're always trying to you're always living to be someone else that you you you're really not, and it's very hard. And I had that for seven years, and when I moved home, that whole identity, without even me realizing, was just stripped for me. Mm. Like you, you know, I went to, from doing all this stuff to coming home and no one sort of knowing me, and then okay, I don't have that salary coming in now. I've got to do my shit. I've got to pay bills. I've got to do these things, and I was living, especially this last year and a half, just not even in in reality. I was just so scared of reality that I was still projecting myself to be this person who I wasn't. Can you, it, can you just contextualise? So just tell me about that spectrum. What was reality in Malaysia? And then the minute you landed at Heathrow Airport, what was reality in the UK? <sighs> reality in Malaysia was easy. Like everything was done for me. Um, you know, I had a good salary in my coming in every month. Um, what's funny is when I look back at myself then, I was actually more unhappy then than what I am now when I have nothing, which is just, it, it's crazy because when you're chasing something, when you have a lot of things in your life, you're still always chasing that end goal. And that you know, we always speak mm. about goals and stuff. And I think goals is great when it comes to business and stuff. But when it comes to personal goals, I, I think it's a, it puts a massive constraint on your life because you're always chasing something that's not there. You're, you're never in the past and you're, not, you're never in the future. Like, no, you're always, sorry, you're always in the future. Mm. You're, never, you're never really there. I think that's an interesting point because one thing I noticed about you, you've always been quite, um, well, very organised, but always organised with your goals and your whiteboards yeah. and your affirmations and things like that. Mm. So are you say, would you say that was a sign of unhappiness and not, not being content? No, I wouldn't say it was a sign of unhappiness. I, I, I'd say it was a sign of just not being able to sit with myself and not be able to be in the moment because with when I you know even with affirmations and and goals I still truly do believe in affirmations but with a clear purpose mm. and you can't have affirmations if you don't really know who you are if you don't value yourself if that makes sense you who, who did you think literally who did you think you were or you know and you can answer I didn't this is the thing I I, I didn't know who I was because I was living my life as a perspective from other people. Right. So how does that look? Fucking terrible. Like if when I look back at myself now, even from fucking six months ago, five months ago, I, I hated myself and I hated that person I was because I was so un, untouched, out of touch from reality and I was like out of touch from who I, you know, loving myself mm. because I needed validation from so many other things. You know, Instagram, people saying, oh, or going out, hanging out with these celebrities and all these other things. I needed validation from so many different aspects of life mm. and it never came from myself, ever. Like I never sat my, I sat down with myself and thought, you're, you're doing right. Like just 
you know, love yourself kind of thing. Just jumping because we we haven't done this for a while, so I'm conscious I'm I'm jumping around a little bit. But no, there good. was a point when you first said it, I wanted to ask about, and I I didn't want to slip it. So when you said you mentioned fear, and um, you mentioned that you know as soon as you touched down, you were living in fear. What what do you think you were living in fear of? What are you living in fear of? Yeah, well, I think to make this more sort of relatable for the listeners, because I think they're probably feeling a bit like, oh, what's going on a bit here? <laughs> is so obviously I had this lifestyle. I moved back. Um, I moved back to start a business that failed. I then started business to start working for someone else with a lot of promises that never came through. Um, and it was failure after failure, after failure, after failure, after failure. And it got to the point where, you know, I've, I've, Josh Connolly has been my therapist now for the last three months. And who would have thought Poop should have a therapist, yeah. you know, when we first started the dog days. You didn't but even like the word mental health. I didn't, I didn't like the word mental And that's why I'm here today. Because mental it's such, wealth, bro. Mental wealth. <laughs> mental fitness, bro. It was mental it's, fitness, yeah. I like mental wealth. Because I was so out of touch with, with my own emotions and my own feelings that, and again, fear comes into the fact of when we had these podcasts and we had these people coming in and they were projecting, you know, all these truths and being vulnerable and being authentic, I was so scared of my true self mm. because I thought it was it was it was worthless basically. And after failure, after failure, after failure, after failure, I think that's when it sort of it, I was just trying to survive. Mm. And like Josh said quite nicely in, in one of our sessions, is how you've lived your life in the last sort of year is you're swimming, you're trying you're, you're trying not to drown. So your head's always just above the water like this, mm. and you're trying you're still trying to breathe. You're trying to, so you're trying to find these little grass of air, mm. but actually you need to drown. Yeah. You need to drown to be able to fucking realise so much. Um, and talk to, talk to me about that part, because I want to make sure we, we understand what the tipping point or the drowning point, we'll call it for the purpose of Josh's example. Mm. What, okay, take me up to that point. What was going on in your life and what was the moment that you realised that you needed to drown? I think it was happening for a long time, um, you know, especially when I had money stolen from me from Thou Shall Not Be Named. Mm. Um... Again, football, it, my ego took a huge hit this year, you know, football-wise. I wasn't that footballer anymore. Um, and all I had and all I could cling on to was this, my insecurities and my ego could cling on to was this Instagram, which I had, because no one knew who I was on Instagram. Mm. All they could see on Instagram was this this lifestyle that I was living. And my ego was still trying to live that lifestyle, but I couldn't because I didn't have the, you know, the funds. I didn't have... Um, the facilities. I wasn't a footballer anymore, but I think that's why a lot of athletes, when they come out of sport, they they do fall into heavy depression because you lose your whole identity, and that was the one thing that I was clinging on to. But that was the one thing that was pushing him away, pushing myself away from everyone who truly loved me for being me, which is scary because you don't realise it. To be, to to your credit, I think it's very difficult. Um... Because you're you are obviously being like truthfully reflective of yourself, but it's also quite hard on yourself. With that Instagram, I can understand the need to wonder how can I make that make money for me, and yeah. I think you get caught up in that as well. Because um, at the end of the day, you do it's like you do hear about people they make money for Instagram. You can mm. business, you you can do networking, you can do all sorts of mm. things through there. So I think like 
you still need to try and sometimes keep up that alter ego and, and that lifestyle to try and hopefully, in your yeah. eyes, you're probably thinking I can use this to network. Like for example, yeah. that business opportunity you had, I do remember that you were, you know, you're able to contact other footballers, you're able to contact other people through it because they see you as, oh, he's got like a social following. Yeah, no, you're completely right. I think there there, there is that aspect of, of of that side, which is which is good and it is nice, but then... It's not the real me, if that makes sense. And it's it's a hard line because how the world is at the minute, like you said, people make so much money off social media and Instagram and stuff. I think I use it in the wrong way. Um, and we'll go into that, i.e., you know, I, I, I was in a relationship mm. and I used it in the complete wrong way. And I didn't... It, it was more me being scared of losing that perspective that people had of me. So you... And when you say perspective, you mean... And let's just be honest girls and guys and anybody saying oh my god you're so hot you're amazing completely because so it you fed have, my ego completely you've got this mini dopamine box i'm holding my phone for yeah. the purpose of the recording you've got this mini dopamine box in your phone and you're kind of like and i remember like i talked to you mm. and we'll be in conversation and you would dive straight into the instagram just to get that fix mm. of like flames from someone on your fucking mm. story right mm. and you anyone could see it but you you could you didn't want to see it yourself no. it was almost like you're at this thing where it's like I know, and you'd say, I know, I need to be more present, that's I know. What, that's what it was. I, m- I remember, for the purpose of the recording, we, will sh- <laughs> we shall name this person Stephen, okay. just for privacy. I remember we had a conversation, I in my Instagram. This is your one ex-girlfriend? Evening. Yes, and um, the day after, Stephen had brought up my Instagram again, and this is exactly what you said I used to do, is I used to bring this negative oppression home into, you know, bringing mm. this energy home into our home where she just wanted me to be present. Mm. But I'd sit there and I'd get a quick dopamine fix. And it wasn't even like I would, it didn't come from a malicious place. Mm. It didn't come from a place of, ha ah, like I'm being a fucking dickhead now. I'm gonna, I was just, because I was so unhappy within myself, without even realising that would make me forget everything else. Right. So it, it's, you know, it's like It could like have having, been a fag. It could have been a yeah, fucking a line sugar, of coke. It could have been yeah. anything, but... <laughs> It was it was that it was social media. Your cocaine, your quick fix, your like to feel level and okay mm. and validated, and it's an it's an infinite supply, mm. but it doesn't go on forever. No. So what you're saying is your life in every element at that time, financially, relationshiply, you know, for even to a point, friendships. Well, was it, surface level. Yeah, it was all surface level. But so going back to so that year, so financially was going down. Everything else is going down. Promises that should have happened. Couldn't have happened. And I was, I got scared because, again, we talk about fear. I was so scared of what if that doesn't happen that I kept chasing this dream. I kept chasing, you know, for instance, get this deal done, we'll get you a G-Wagon. Get this deal done, we'll, you get this bonus at the end of the year. So I automatically, I don't know why, I'm, I think when me and Josh spoke about it, it drives back to my childhood where I never had security as a child. Right. I, my dad, I, did, I didn't know my dad. Um, Alan left my mum when I was younger. Then my dad had an affair with my mum. So I never had that secure home growing mm. up. So growing up myself in this world of money, cars, big houses, mm. spending money on on your wife to keep her happy. You know, we've all seen it with all with the footballers these days. Mm. That was my idea of 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 um of security. So that yeah. was my idea of that was my idea of security when it's so far so far fetched. So I was always living in this dreamland of, you know, when me and Steven were together I'll be like, oh, no, 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 cool. I've got meetings five days. I'll be out in London till five. And no, I've got this. I'm going to get a G-Wagon in the year. Yeah. And she's probably thinking, I don't need a G-Wagon. Yeah, what I don't give a fuck about, you about the G-Wagon. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. Yeah, literally. I don't give, and I remember we had we had an argument. Um, and 
she could see how unhappy I was outside and I was bringing it home and we had an argument about work and she, you know I was stressed about finances mm. and she's you know she said something obviously out of care but because I was protecting my ego and this fucking ego which is mm. needs to die by the way if everyone everyone needs to experience ego death they mm. do they they literally do um would say I'll just why don't I just go get a job as a fucking accountant then you know, mm. just to, to make myself feel better. There's mm. nothing wrong with that. No. Hence me being in a no-grow t-shirt, labouring out the site now, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. A bit of landscaping. <laughs> but um, there's nothing wrong with that. And it just, when you look back at yourself saying these sort of things and not being aware of who you actually are, mm. it's scary. So would you say that because of a, of a lack of security or even fragility when it comes to security and it being broken when you had the dad and the, and the departure or whatever would you say because of that and where you decided to look for it which albeit was when you were a 16 year old boy you decided and formed at that point what success looked like mm. and on the quest of trying to to become that successful person despite pretty much having it in malaysia you you found out at this tipping point which is the breakup of you and stephen yes that was when you went right what the fuck was that? Why was I aspiring to this thing? Yeah. But why was it the loss of a girl that made you suddenly realise that your big dream wasn't right? Because unfortunately, that relationship was the last bit of positive hope I had right. in my life without me realising. Hope's an interesting word. But but with that, why... Um, I, I don't know how at what level of detail of this relationship we're allowed to talk about, but how come um, you felt when you were together unhappy in that situation so why is it now for something to, to for it to finish that you suddenly look back at it fondly because i do often remember times you would talk to us here and it, it was you know you might as well be honest it wasn't going that well and and mm. you know that relationship it seemed like that was also making you unhappy so so how yeah. what perspective have you 100%, seen 100 again going back looking back into that relationship i would tell myself i was unhappy in this relationship mm. to make myself feel better for the things i was doing outside of the relationship. Right. Um, and that is that is truthful, you know, um, to make myself feel better because mm -hmm. my ego needed it. So when I lost this person in my life, um, without realising it for the last year, I'd actually already lost everything. All my pillars, I had five pillars that I had, finance gone, family, relationship gone, friends. Yes, I had a few bonds, but didn't really know who my friends were because mm -hmm. I had so many friends. Mm -hmm. By that I mean it, but I'd spend more time DMing a fucking someone with a blue tick mm. instead of going to the pub with one of my mates. Um, football, identity, gone. Mm. Relationship was the only thing I had. So when that went, it was like... All the doors were closed. Fuck. I'm fucked. So when all the doors are closed that you can run away, and let's use the door analogy because it works quite well. At any moment in, in someone's life when one of those doors closes, i.e. your relationship... The door that you run into is your friendship door mm. or you run into the family door or a lot of people run into the work door. For you, you had no escape doors left. So the only thing to do at that time was to look internally. What was the first... first I want to know, actually, before you started speaking to Josh, what did you? What was the first thought that you had as, as the first step forward or backwards when you found out that all the doors were closed? When all the doors started closing... Um, I was still in my dreamland, to be honest. The first sort of one, two weeks, I was like, nah, I'm gonna, I've got these deals coming in, I'm good. Um, didn't really speak to anyone, just sort of the same sort of character, i.e., that's gonna come in, that's gonna come in. Didn't even think about the past, 
just thought about the future. Right. Didn't think about how I was actually feeling then. And then it started to, it's like one week went by, two weeks went by, and then it started to sort of hit me like, whoa, like, how are you going to be able to do this, you know, finances? How are you going to be able to afford the this place now? How are you going to, didn't, are you going to have to move out in two, three months? Where are you going to go? Um, she's gone. She's gone, bro. Like, she's gone. She's not coming back. You're alone. And that is when my deep, deep, deep feelings of pure hatred came because it was all my fault. Hatred for who? Yourself? Myself. Okay. Yeah, complete, complete hatred for myself. And that was, it wasn't nice at all because, you know, if I'm going to be completely honest, one night when she, I think it was, I was going through sort of a, a nice week. We were talking a little bit and she, she sort of said, um, maybe time or space will help and maybe time, uh, time will heal, maybe it won't. And I kind of used that as sort of a, a bit of hope in the sense of, ah, oh, um, she'll, she'll probably come back kind of thing, which I didn't need at that time. Like I needed it to, to be completely done. And that one night she sent me a really cold, it was, it was, I'm not going to say cold, it wasn't a cold message. She just said, she, she, oh, can you be out of the house on the Sunday? I want to come get all my things. And that was sort of the pivotal point of like, she's gone and I was having a bad day emotionally that day anyway because things weren't happening. Um, and I just completely broke down. And there's a first time in my life where I felt out of control, out of my emotions. Like I just had no control of my emotions. Um, I rang you, um, which I nearly didn't. And, you know, my mum always says, fuck, fuck, you called someone because a lot of people wouldn't call someone. Mm. Did you feel suicidal at the time? I did feel suicidal that day. That was the first time I felt suicidal was that night. I called Ollie, then I went to yours, and the environment wasn't that it wasn't right. right environment. It wasn't right. You were hungover, <laughs> one, and then we had um, other people there. We had other people there, so I felt I couldn't be vulnerable. I couldn't be my authentic yeah, self. I, like I didn't know how to feel. So then I voice noted Stephen, this fucking, you know, six minute voice note. But it wasn't, um, it wasn't a voice note of please come back. I mm. need you, kind of thing. It was more of a voice note of how I'm feeling mm. and it was the first time I really opened up to her so I don't regret it at all but I think it was a bit too much for someone to take mm. in when she's trying to heal as well but also why would she why on earth and this is not me being rude but why on earth would she trust the 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 ramblings of an upset person after him being so non-present throughout yeah, the relationship exactly why so it's out of the blue. So uh, it seems yeah. reactionary. It also seems inauthentic. But all the things that you were trying to show that you weren't in that voice note, for her, that's a stranger. Yeah. It also could... I'm not saying you were, but it can come across manipulative, can't it? Because 100%. 100%. Not, I completely not agree. Were, but it's just like when it's like... If you have those opportunities to make those uh, conversations before and then it's because she's leaving mm. out leaving the house then yeah. it just comes across in the wrong way 100 no but there's a good point you say that because I, I i did used to be manipulative in not just my relationship but in the way i dealt with my problems you know i'd always not shift the blame well yeah it, it, I'll, I'll try manipulate the situation so it's not my fault and you know it's, it's mm. been even with us guys when i don't know let's say i, I don't make a podcast or i'm mm. late to something it always be because of something or somebody else or somebody else. Yeah, it would never be because of me. And I found that a lot with, with my arguments with, in my relationship and even with my mother. Mm. Um, I was yeah, I was I, 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 hands down. So I was manipulative, not so much in that situation because that was raw emotion. And I'm I'm glad that she sort of saw that side to me, but she hadn't seen for so long. Mm. But um, yeah, that night I did feel was the first time I sort of felt suicidal in a sense. Not so much I want to end it all. It was more so much of like 
I, I don't know if what to do. I, I don't know how I can go on. Um, you want the I pain heart, to go away at the same time. Yeah, and I think the heartbreak obviously didn't help with that, which is, by the way, the worst pain anyone can ever have. Mm. I'm sure we've all experienced Toothache, it. Toothache, brother. Yeah. I, I am a record to say toothache. Toothache is, is worse than heartache. Sorry, Pooch. This whole podcast is redundant. <laughs> oh. No, um, I want to... I wanna, okay, so this so, is a... No, I left yours. Awful moment for you. It's a realisation. You're sitting there and you've lost everything mm. and even your outcry and, and almost desperation, voice note, whatever mm. the fuck you want to call it, didn't land the no. way that you hoped it would. And then no. I remember being very close to you at this time where you thought it was a problem that you could fix with sheer love and then vulnerability and then authenticity. Yeah. Would you would you agree that now now you look back, was that the right angle? And, it, and what did you do next? I don't... Looking back, I don't regret the steps I took um, because... It's hard. It's a it's a hard one because when you're left with with nothing, all you have is love. It's weird because love and hope is, and I'm glad that I, I had hope because hope has got me here today. And hope is a is a huge word because it's false, isn't it? It's mm. not reality. I mean, yeah. Well, I I was reading a book actually recently. One of the I can't remember what it's called. I think it's ironically called Everything... Uh, everything is Fucked. Everything is Fucked, but it's actually supposed to be a positive book. And yeah. they were saying, yeah, I think he he was basically saying, you know, hopelessness is kind of what depression is. When you when you have no hope of anything getting better, yeah. that is essentially, you know, that is so another sign, sign of depression, isn't mm. it? It's when you, you wake up with no sort of like idea how things are going to get better and you don't really have any you know you have no hope that it will get better so therefore you're not really going to try and make things get better but also that is out of your control sometimes yeah i have to quickly say as well that the and we'll come through to what i would call a recovery period for you and at the, that time what we're talking about now is the survival moment right i think the credit has to go to you at some point because i know you're in the you were a lot of self-loathing for the last six weeks three months you, because of how you are, and even when you were being inauthentic and, you know, not your real self, you were obsessive about self-improvement and being the best version of yourself. Mm. So now you're at rock bottom and, you know, all that stuff that you've learned, it hasn't gone to waste. No. But you can we're reapply. That, yeah. and, and I'm really interested here to hear, right, okay, what happened now? You've pretty much decided and been told this girl's not going to come back mm. and that she's not going to be the solution to your problem. Because I think that was one thing that happened. It was... Well, if I get a bat, then everything I've got a bit of hope. Yeah, and actually, if I just if I say that bit, then mm. I can start working on the other shit. But that wasn't the, that wasn't the, no. an option for you. Mm. So, what did you do next? Well, we'll go through the, sort of the middle period where first suicidal thought went to yours, and then I went to I called Ollie Clements, who you know him and Lucy have been fucking. Oh, there's no words to describe how how kind and how nice they've been sort of to me in this period and um, you're eating your samosa. Yep, sorry. <laughs> um, so in that transition period, sort of when I started to realise that she's not coming back and hope, uh, it was weird because I still had hope that she would come back, which gave me the drive to to better myself, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um I moved out of the place because I couldn't afford it anymore. I moved in with Ollie and Lucy and I'm still there now in a lovely little room. Um, on the couch, brother. <laughs> on the couch, brother. You're like Dobby. Yeah, I'm like Dobby. Fucking hell. My master. <laughs> Feed me, please. <laughs> um, no, I'm still there now. And in this transition period, you know, I think the first two, three weeks of being there, I still didn't have a job. Um, you know, me and Stephen were still 
not talking, like it was on and off. It wasn't very nice. Um, and I remember sitting on their bed and just bursting out crying every morning, like just hor- like just horrible, getting in the shower at night, crying. Um, and it was, although it was horrible, it felt like I needed to do it. Like, you know, a lot of people, I think, in their moments try to suppress that mm. feeling and emotion or they try to block that feeling out by going out, getting drunk, going to have sex, do all these other things to just to not sit there and actually feel it. I think Josh definitely helped me out with this bit because I only started speaking to Josh sort of three weeks after I moved in when I started to realise, I was like, fuck, I, like, I need to speak to someone. And that's the first time ever I've actually gone out of my way to say I, I need to speak to someone because I can't keep crying every night like yeah if it, like you get out of the way you feel good but then when it hits you again you're like whoa okay yeah. <laughs> still there the emotion's still there and Josh you know taught me quite a positive thing is just to fucking feel it and just fucking cry if you need to cry cry mm. there's nothing wrong with you sitting there crying for 20 minutes if you want to listen to a sad song that reminds you of her listen to a sad song that reminds you of her mm. be with your emotions um, so I was going through this period and it wasn't nice and we talk about the things that we've learned um, and you said about using the things that we've learned in the past to, to help you. And I was still doing the things, i.e. trying to get myself up early, mm. trying to exercise, because we know when we exercise, we feel good, mm. we make ourselves feel, feel better. You listen to these things. And you know what's funny is we used to hate these fucking American fucking, you can fucking do it, you get better. Mm. But I was actually, when I was running, I was actually putting these fucking cringy motivational yeah, yeah. things on. That's Andy Ramage stuff. Right fuck there. it, mate. I don't know what it, what it did. I'm not saying it's a fucking game changer. It's not, but well, it's not someone's everyone. just fucking telling you like, life fucking sucks, man. You got to fucking get yourself up. And I think it's, again, it's hope, isn't it? It there is. is. There's yeah. some hope in that stuff. And relatability. It? It's like, oh shit, it's not just me. And I think you needed to know that it wasn't just you because yeah. the uniqueness of that feeling and knowing that every, you're living with a couple, right? Yeah. So, that's still, it's that still hard to, to this day by the way when they go on date nights and I'm like yeah. so but all of the, everyone that you know in your life as you know it is happy with it and you're like you have no idea how I feel so yeah. you have to I think do whatever you you know crying yeah. is one way but in terms of the, the regrowth moment yeah. and the rebirthing of yourself you have to find something that G's you up and it's not just negativity the whole time well what I started I started I started to one thing I did do a lot when we when I sort of lost everything was re, I had a lot of regret I had a lot of hate of things that I did. I regretted the way I spent my money, the way I treated people, the way I treated my friends. And there was mm. so much regret in there. And me and Josh actually listed out all the things that I hate about myself. And fuck me, there was a long list. And he said, write it all out, read it, sink in, mm. and know that that's the person that you fucking hate. And you never, like, know that that's not you. And that's just a projection that you've lived with yourself for the last year. Yes, that, that may be part of you, but... That doesn't have to be you now. Mm. That can go. And it was a powerful moment because wow. I was listening these things out. And after after that phone call, I called my mum and I apologised for loads of things. Like, you know, me and my mum have a fucking unbelievable relationship now, but we didn't. Mm. And I'd called Elisa for fucking three years, for God's sake. Like, mm. who calls their mum by their first name? It was just a horrible thought of, you know. And when, after listening these things out, I started to realise that f- I was so far from my true self that it scared me a little bit. So I was like, fuck, like, how is that even, did you even like me? Did you even like, why would you even like me? Because I don't fucking like myself. But the thing back is, at that person. I had to say, like, 
I, and I, we all love you. I've loved you. But the weird thing is, and this is interesting, because I'd have to almost apologise to people about your Instagram before they met you. People that didn't know you, and actually when you were in Malaysia, I didn't like you by what I saw on your Instagram. Then when I met you, I was like, he's just lovable, wonderful pooch that's vulnerable. He's like a little boy and he's fucking positive. And 95% of the time, that is who you were anyway. Yeah. But you had these demons. You had this person that you had to live up to who I didn't really engage with. No. I wasn't friends with your celebrity friends. I didn't go out on those kind of nights with you. So I always, I think that your friends that you have now that like you, mm. liked who you already were. Yeah. And you, we all love that part of you, which is why I think you mm. felt better when you were with people like us. Yeah. Because we, they saw that person. And yeah. your Instagram and the fucking preachiness and the videos and all that shit, we knew it wasn't really you. We knew that was just because that was your income mm. and you had to secure that version of you. Mm. It's why you had two Instagrams. I mean, there's never been more of a personification of how your life was going through than the duplicity of your two Instagrams. Yeah. Right? You're so true, you you're so right. You had JL style, who was the wanker that took topless photos, and then you had a dude that went like dog walking. Yeah. Right? Uh, I, I had the outcome of this, boy, which I'm going to say at that point. On his main Instagram, mm. he has to take a selfie in Nogro and uh, upload his artificial, his artificial gardening on his main Instagram. I've but, deleted it. Have you deleted it? Deleted oh, it. it. Yeah. So you actually deleted it. Yeah, yeah. he's deactivated. I haven't, had, I haven't had that Instagram for four months. Can I have it and change your name and then I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll get it? the negative influence. <laughs> yeah, no. That was, do you know what? That was a, actually talking about that. That was a fucking powerful, powerful moment because I realized that that took away so much of my true self and my presence in my relationships with my closest friends and my people that I love. That once I actually got rid of it, I was like, I have no one to answer How to. How did anymore. that feel? It must have felt. It, it felt liberating. Like you, you don't. I can't even describe how good it felt. And it's such a shame because I've now got this love, all this love and mm. presence to give. And I'm, you know, unfortunately Stephen's not here. But mm. if she was here, like you now have my presence. My mother has my mm. presence. Ollie Clements, Lucy have my presence every day. Like I'm not home on Instagram. There's no one to show off to. There's no, no. one to fucking lie to. There's no one to fake your life to. Who gives it? You know, it, it feels amazing. I can post anything I want now. Yeah. What I think is important is that you're not expecting reciprocation. Okay, because when, when this first happened, Stephen needed to be the person that you were doing it for. But that was almost like she was a vehicle for your own self-awareness. You're like, do it for the hope of winning her back, do it for the hope of winning her back. And then suddenly that vehicle wasn't a possibility. Yeah. So you then went, i do it for me? What yeah. the fuck? Oh, shit, I don't need that thing anymore. Mm. And that was when the deleting of the Instagram happened mm. because there was a, a complete awareness of the falsity of the life that you were living and that you weren't doing it for anybody else apart from yourself. Yeah. And it feels like that's the long journey that you've been on. What did I, what, because I, you know, we say the word liberating. I think it's a word that loses its value because it's so cliche to say. What did you lose and what did you win by, by deleting that Instagram? I lost nothing. Okay. Lost nothing. I lost, okay, 100,000 followers, business, business opportunities, I guess. Um, but, to me, that you can get business opportunities anywhere. I also say business with a Z. Business. Those opportunities yeah, weren't real business. No, they were like they business. Yeah, I business. think it's always the uh, the the um, I can't think of the word, but the the idea that you you could potentially be making business out of this. Yeah. It's never the actual. Oh, it's hope. It's never, yeah, yeah. There it is again. Yeah. 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 No, <laughs> but it's the same with. Um, so I'm if I'm a, I'm in marketing, guys. Just for us, um, just <laughs> for you, to, uh, you to know, um, I am in branding, but. <laughs> I because I'm in 
in that field, so to speak, and you're in like the creative field, mm. you can easily uh, hoodwink yourself and mm. thinking, you know, I can never delete these platforms because I should have this level of knowledge. I should understand what's going on. But really, all I know what's going on is is vacuous. It's nothing. I don't. You can't really recall anything. I've, it's what I mean. It's, it's like, like six, six hours a day, like on the phone. What what yeah. have I recalled? Not really learned how TikTok algorithm works, so I can then tell my body. It's not. It doesn't work like that. No. But it's easy to hoodwink yourself with these platforms that they're. You're learning something. One hundred percent. And I think that's like like you said. What did you? I lost nothing from getting rid of that Instagram. But what I gained was complete self control, a clear mind, presence, love, mm. being myself again, with no pressure from anyone looking into my life that I don't want to look into. Like imagine having ninety nine thousand people. Looking into your fucking life every day, commenting, something like it's hard fucking work. Having like, an opinion, having an opinion on everything you do. It's it's the part of the alchemist. I hate to quote books, but I'll do it again. When he goes, the best thing about being someone that's always traveling is that you look at the ones that live in the same town. Mm. People start to think they own a piece of you, and then when you don't live up to that person that they expect you to be, yeah. they don't even know you. These ninety nine thousand people don't even know you. But when you don't live up to the vision, the hope of the person that they want you to be, they feel like you fuck them mm. up. They're like, well, you're not, living, you're not being the junior L cell that I bought. Mm. They want a refund. And so mm. they're like, well, I own a part of you because I follow you. <laughs> yeah. A lot of, uh, I think one big learning I learned was because I'm quite an empathic person and I like to do things to make people happy and to make others happy. I think, again, going back to my childhood is because I felt like I couldn't ever make anyone happy because I wasn't ever good enough for both my dads. Mm. My mum sort of probably because she was living in so much stress neglected me a little bit mm. when I was sort of in my teen years when I was a bit of a, twat let's put yeah, it there yeah. have so parties doors. and all that yeah um can i just on that point because this is a really uh really in- interesting exercise that i know our man josh Connolly uses if you were to speak to 15 year old pooch knowing the journey that he was about to go on what would you tell him ah and here's what's funny this oh, is a question no, this, that, is not, this is the this ending is question, question. A megaphone. <laughs> i would love yeah you've got me you, know, you haven't got a megaphone you're just whispering right hello but you're sitting down with him and he's about to embark on this wonderful life. I know exactly what I'm going to say to him. What would you say to him? And you can be as, more, as many sentences. One, three, three words. You are enough. You are enough. You are enough. What is you that? Are, you are enough. Don't be someone for other people. You are enough. But I'm 15, I've got a bone, I want to go shag birds. You're enough. What I want to be you're 15? A, I want to be a football player. You're enough. You want to be a football player? You, yeah. that's, that's a different but context. You'd never... You, 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 if you, if you, okay, right. If I'm 15 year old pooch, you're like, fuck off, bruv, you're high. No, but you're, you're not looking back, surely regretting anything you've done in your life. Like, you've no, done, you've I don't, some... like I said, yeah, like I said earlier, like the first sort of two, three months, there was, I was living in a lot of regret um, in this transition period of hating myself. But then as I got into deeper conversation with Josh, these are all the things that I needed to do to become the person I am today. Right. So this drowning, what, what? Because it was a really nice analogy, but I don't know what you actually have done to. to so the so drown, the, you, the pivotal, what the drowning moment. Mm. Yeah. Well. So the drowning moment was so it was three weeks in. I was crying every day. Um, I was going for a run, and I was at Isha train station by the bridge, and I still hadn't had a job. Stephen was gone. Money zilch, pissed away all my finances. No security, no home, no sort of future to look look into. I didn't know what I was going to do. I'm not going to play football this year. I turned down, a, I turned down my Thailand contract mm. to stay home for my relationship. Um, Can I hold you on that point? Yeah. Is that um, is that a blame there or not? No. Like, did you? No. T- 
well, I don't know. If, it, it, Did it sound like a blame? No, it feels like. Are you still hanging on to the? No, because I that. No, to, because you, because I, I, like, we had this conversation um, recently when, when I when I saw her and me saying, you know, we'll have a conversation. I'd be like, I could just go play football again in Asia. I'll just go to Malaysia at the end of the year. I'll go. Th- I could sign for Thailand and thing. Yeah. And it was just me saying again, my ego protecting me from drowning. Basically saying. That's your safety. Yeah. Don't worry, bro. Like you're not making any money now, but that is your safety. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. fuck everything else because you've got that. And have you let that go? Though? I've let it completely go because that isn't happiness for me anymore. Like I'm completely over that side of things, and I've come to a realization that my ego was just, you know, trying to protect me, which I fucking hate because it wasn't what I truly wanted. And it it almost came across as dishonesty, if that makes sense. I always came across as dishonest when I wasn't trying to be dishonest. I was just trying to protect my... But, but also, mate, it's a very hard thing for one to, to come to terms with. The fact that you know you have been able to make good money playing football. Mm. It must be soul-destroying, mate. It must be very difficult to know that that can't... You know, it can't happen. It's not going to happen again. Yeah. And, like, you know, it, it's for, for someone... They always say, uh, life after sports, uh, life after football, <laughs> to quote our good friend, uh, Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne. Um, you know, we for every sportsman, you know, even an elite tier who's played Premier League level, for anyone, it's always very difficult to know what to do next. And you've had to, you know, you, you stumbled across a football career somewhat unexpectedly, you might say, mm. and that was the trajectory of your life. And you had to work out how to milk it for every penny you could, you know, in your 20s. Yeah. And it was always going to, you know, come to an end. And, and um, in, like, you could... Some athletes, so like some football players get to the age of 45 and still think, how can I make money playing football? Yeah, 100%. But you're experiencing it now. doesn't matter if you're experiencing these same things two years ago. It it must be a really hard thing to to come to terms with. I think that's like, we'll go back to that journey point. When it came to them terms where I had all these things that all my pillars have fallen down and I just didn't, I didn't know what to do. Like, what am I good for? Mm. I can't do anything else in my life. i don't really have anyone to so you know when you're in this moment in your head you're very selfish you're not thinking about the circles around you i.e your family what you you know how your mother would feel how your best friends would feel Mm. how your ex-girlfriend would feel if you were to do something but that was the scariest moment of my life was when i was in that um train station and i was running and i just thought what am i living for like that. I don't see it. There, there, there was no future. There was no, you know, the past is gone. Couldn't change that. Don't know what the fuck the future is going to be. All I was in that moment was was presence. And I know everyone says being present is the best thing mm. feeling. But at that moment, it was the fucking scariest feeling in world because I didn't think of anything else at that point. So for Josh, because he had the similar moment where he was, he knew he was going to kill himself that day. It wasn't an impulsive yeah. bridge walk. It was okay. I'll try killing myself once already. This is the good. This is the real time. I'm gonna yeah. Do. For you, there was there was more fear. And at that moment, standing on the bridge, thinking, "Well, an option could be just to finish it." I imagine what pulled you back. My mum. The thought of your mum. Yeah. Hearing about you. Yeah. Just the thought of my mum just losing her only son was horrible. And I walked back from the station. Didn't run. I walked back, and I put something on YouTube, something cringy on YouTube again, just to sort of get try to keep my mind busy on the walk back. And because I was so scared and so I was shaking because I'd realised that I'd come to the point of my life where I could have. Mm. And that's a scary thought. And fucking, you know me, Mr. Fucking 
Mental fitness. Optimist, mental yeah. fitness. Like, <laughs> I'd never got to that stage in my head ever. Nah. Ever. Like, I'd always block it out, always fucking, oh, fucking that's all load of bollocks. Like, you can just yeah. fight your way out of it. And that was the first time in my life when I felt like I couldn't fight my way out of it. Like, there was no fight left. So I went home um, and they, li- Ollie and Lucy live in a flat and it was pissing it down with rain and I sat under a tree. Sounds really cliche and fucking cringy, but I literally sat under a tree for two hours. Mm. Literally two hours with with nothing. Just sat there, just staring at the rain. Um, and I remember Ollie called me. He was like, "Is everything okay?" And I was like, "Yeah, it's, it's fine. I'm just I'm just chilling." And I just sat there and I just thought, "Do you know what?" Like, sorry, I keep doing that. That's right. It keeps fucking probably. I sat there and I just had some sort of fight in me, and hope. Right. And hope, you know, brought me forward because. There was so much more to live for, and I, I, it was that moment I just thought that's, there's, there is so much more to live for. You don't have to be this person that everyone wants or thinks you need to be, or you don't have to be this person for everyone else. Like just be you, and that's yeah, that was the, probably the turning point. And then wow, okay, so I want to. That's amazing, mate. Fucking, I've got to say, like with I've heard this story obviously five times because I'm a good mate of yours, and we've sat at the pub, yeah, we've sat at two in the morning, seven in the evening, whenever talking about this stuff, and I've been there throughout the whole journey. So I'm sort of numb to your authenticity and realness, but this is at, this is brave. This is definitely not what Pooch a year ago would have done. Mm. He would have considered this as inter- interesting to be part of and to witness, but he would never have done it himself. Mm. So for firstly, I've got to say, like, well done, you know, for the, for just coming in here and wanting to do this. I've, scary again, scary because you, you you know there's still a part of you that's scared to get judged, but then. We ain't got listeners, mate. So yeah, well, but but that's the thing, right? And so I think now I I want to I want to kind of you know know we've got a bit left. I want to kind of understand this growth phase because this podcast was always to help people that were going through yeah. a tough time, yeah. wanted to relate to those moments, and and for a lot of people, he hasn't got to get to a contemplation of suicide. But certainly, someone that might be listening to this right now could be thinking, I really haven't got a lot going on at the moment. So this is really powerful that you've come on to do this because you had it all, you lost it all, you kind of got some of it back again, and then you lost it all over again, and then you literally had nothing. So I don't want to say you haven't got any excuses, but watching you now rebuild, and I think I'm fair to say that you're out of survival mode yeah. and you're in growth mode now. Yeah, completely. Uh, I, I didn't come on here to be fucking... Pre- I'm not going to be preachy at all. Like no. All it was, it was, you know... I just need to be real with myself. Mm. Go get a fucking job. Get some money in the bank. Mm. It's okay to live in a fucking bedroom in your fl- friend's flat for a bit. Like, do what you need to do in that present moment just to to get by. And it's not fucking, you know, dream big and do this and work fucking 48 hours a day. Like, just mm. live like, like, live and do the things that you want to do. Mm. And, you know, there are times where I'm fucking on site pushing a wheelbarrow and I'm thinking Jesus Christ two years ago today I was fucking playing in front of 65,000 fans <laughs> and there is moments where you are going to feel fucking shit about what you're doing but mm. it fucking when you sorry go on no what were you so, going to say uh, apologise for the profanity sorry oh sorry <laughs> just a few F words oh was there loads yeah, of F words there that's right. oh yeah but you're sorry. expressive I no, think no, you're, no, no, you're, no, a, no. I do always you're a, a fucker when you're expressive <laughs> I think um, I, but what I, look I, the, I, the inspirational thing is that you stared at your, your feet and you said right first I'll do what's necessary and then I'll do what's possible and, and that's when the impossible what's, what's funny is when you 
when you sort of come out of this, of this, you know, if, if I'm going to say, if I, if I didn't speak to anyone, i.e. Josh, I'd be in a very bad place. Mm. Very fucking bad place. Um, F-bomb again. Um, I think that was necessary, that one. Yeah, yeah. that one was. That was an expressive There was a F-bomb. couple that weren't a bit unnecessary. But Josh that one was has helped me tremendously in finding the root causes of how I was feeling and making me feel better for my decisions that I was making in the past. Whereas I was, before speaking to Josh, I was doing, making these decisions and coming up with excuses to hide them or right. hide why I was doing them. Whereas Josh, we, we, we dived into it, explained why I might have done them things. Where did that come from? Did that come from pity? Did that come from eager? Did that come from you being selfish? And, you know, it, if it wasn't for Josh, it, yeah, I, I would be in a bad place. So definitely like speaking to someone and just weird listening to me say this, it actually helps. Yeah. It does help. So with 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 what what stuff are you doing? I had a few W's there. What stuff are you doing to like keep? Um, what can he notice in you to keep you in check? And what what are you spotting within yourself? Which because you've you're speaking from a lot of self awareness now. So there are there times where you're like acceptance is a huge one. So you're bringing yourself back into the moment. Be like, no, actually, that's you know, this is the person I hate. Yeah. These are the details. How often are you having to check in? So awareness is huge. I think awareness. When you have, there's so many different ways because some people might do it in stages where you become more aware slowly and you sort of build habits to make yourself feel better slowly. But with me, where it was trauma, because, well, for me, it was trauma. It might not be to other people, but for me, in my situation, it was trauma. Awareness at that moment is a huge pivotal point yep. where it's either change, quick change, or nothing, basically. So for me, awareness of awareness and acceptance of where I am was huge. So, so getting just, to that point of awareness yeah. and then acceptance. And then accepting, exactly. So then accepting where you are now, being fine with it and cringes say it, start, start to slowly love yourself again mm. for whatever, whatever you're doing. Well, it start the love begins with accepting yourself. Yeah. Which is a weird term, isn't it? Because you're going, I accept that I mm. have made mistakes, but I also accept that I have the, possible, the capacity to improve. And that was the hardest thing even with the breakup, because the breakup opened the doors to so much about myself mm. in the sense of how much of a fucking dickhead I was. <laughs> Sorry. That was allowed Sorry. again. That again. was allowed again. Of course, but um, <laughs> where, where were we? You, the relationship was the gateway to... It was the gateway yeah. to actually look at, being able to really look back at myself and being like, whoa, like that isn't acceptable. That really isn't acceptable. And it just opened, yeah, it just opens your eyes, completely opens your eyes. What do you think... And I want to, um, oh, I was going to ask a really good question then, but uh, I don't know if this is actually relevant. I'm going to ask you anyway, because I said it in the same tone that I said the, the, the old way. What do you think now, junior old style has been burned and there is ego death, what do you think the world sees <laughs> I knew it. when they look at you? Well, we didn't actually, yeah, we didn't actually really speak about ego death because me working on site now, as hard as you know, as normal as it is, is fucking pure is 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 ego death, and it's quite funny because the people that work on site with me, um, Johnny, Ricky, shout out Ricky, um, you know Ben, they all say, uh, Pedro, they like just don't expect me to be on site with them, which is weird. I'm like so doing keep, keep it just, on the just, site, yeah, you know, it's just, and they say I just can't believe how like vun- like vulnerable you are and how one thing I won't, I will take away is I went to, I sold my Rolex in times of desperation, mm. shouldn't have said Rolex. I sold my very a nice watch to Lucy's dad. Um, and this is again at a time where I needed money, I was struggling. And 
Lucy's dad said, I heard you were doing, you're, you're, you're thinking about starting labouring. And I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, anyone that starts labouring is, you know, to me is is brave, very brave. He's not afraid to, to do a bit of, you know, hard work mate, to get by. Uh, the most respect that all of your friends have had for you, your actual mates, the mm. one that know and love you, was when you did that. Yeah. That to me, because you could say all this shit, you could sit on this podcast and say that you're born a human again, whatever. Mm. But it's you are what you do and not what you say. And yeah. when you did that thing, which was turn up to a site at seven in the morning after playing in front of 65,000 people, mm. that was the telling, no, sorry, that was the doing point for all of your people that already loved and respected who you were, where it was like, oh shit, he's pretty fucking serious about improving. Yeah, And I think that were, yeah, I have to say, if there was ever a well done, that was my well and done. And I think, <laughs> like you, you you asked earlier, what, what's, what are you doing, what's Josh doing to check in now and how, how do you know you're on a, on a sort of better Couple. state of mind and is doing things like that and doing and not actually talking, whereas the old me would probably talk on Instagram, pretend I'm in the gym at 5 a.m. when actually I'm in bed till 10 mm. to, to be someone I'm not, whereas now I'm not worried about what anyone else is thinking. I'm just doing the, the right things that I need to be doing. Um, you know, being on site was one of them. Mm. Um, removing myself from situations that don't benefit me was a, was another huge one. And, you know, we spoke about it quite quite clearly, even with my closest friends that were having conversations with me when I was in a relationship, disrespecting my relationship. And I was disrespecting my relationship because I felt the need to be someone mm. in that group chat. Mm. And that was a huge moment in my life when I thought, fuck, I, I, I am changing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we were, we, this has been fucking awesome. I, I don't want to finish it um, because I think we've got so much more deep diving. And who knows, we could come back here. The price talk got about and we, we just Yeah, but Mass has increased his fucking prices. <laughs> and, so we couldn't uh, do the hour and We half. couldn't afford the hour and a half. We've got 10 minutes. To be well, yeah, you did no, say we'll put five yeah, minutes yeah, on. Ten, yeah. But what, I guess I want to just la- le- give you some time to just tell people yourself, and actually maybe it is a message to yourself that you that you can finish on here in terms of what you expect from yourself going forward, what you're not going to do and what you are going to do. And it, and again, and if you want to, any any you know anyone that's going through the same situation of not becoming authentic and learning who they are, what yeah. do you say to them? I'll, I'll just give you the mic. Jesus Christ, it's a big question. <laughs> no, I think um, the best learning you know I've, I've got from all this is not to be scared of your emotions and to stop sort of running away from fear and being scared of who you might be or who who other people might think you might be in the future. Um, the past is gone. The future's not even fucking here. Mm. You know, all you can be is with yourself now. And that's what matters most. And I think that's one huge learning is to also give love. And that sounds cringy again, but honestly, like, I've never felt so good mm. <laughs> than actually being able to give love to people that I truly love. Yeah. And actually being present with them and listening to their conversations, you know, calling my mum on a Wednesday, how are you? Like, mm. just showing love and showing care and just being true to yourself and what you actually fucking feel. Yeah. And that's honestly, like... Lovely, brother. Probably the most I can say. I've got to say, this is possibly one of my favourite podcasts. I'm going to say my favourite because Josh will be listening to this. Um, but you know, you know, I'm bad with like words. That's why I've got these notes. No, it's I'm decent, trying, I'm it's really good. I've got, mate, honestly, to... you've done, like, this is fucking brave... You've gone through possibly the hard, hard, a harder time than Ian and I have been through. I've never seen anybody change in the way that you have done, and I'm fucking, I'm so impressed and so proud of you being here doing this. And don't, don't get me wrong, like it's not, it's, it's not over if that makes sense. Like, like I said to you earlier, there's, I still have days now where I get at the site in the morning. and I think, Jesus, like, is this really me? For, but it's, it, it doesn't have to be, you know. Mm. Just 
You're doing what's necessary. I'm doing what's necessary, exactly. Did you get and any spirit level bubbles? Yeah, bro. Did you get out of tartan paint? <laughs> yeah. And you're still you waiting it? for your long yeah, wait. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> um, well, look, no, this... it's been really good, mate. Well done. I've Thank you for doing this. this. I'm, I'm excited to put a, a true Dog Days episode up of us being in this wonderful office. Guess who? Shout Back. out to Sam Roberts. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll be big up, Maz, as well on the opening of the door. That was amazing. <laughs> big up, Maz. That was absolutely amazing. Well done. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at the Dog Days Pod. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you next week. It's not a Not a hit